0: Generating oodles of revenue every month is the dream goal for most anyone starting their own e-commerce business. But the sad reality is that so many people starting out fail to generate enough sales to even stay afloat. In fact, it has been estimated that e-commerce businesses experience an 80% failure rate. Yowch. However, despite this discouraging statistic, Building a seven-figure e-commerce business is far from impossible. This became abundantly clear during my conversation with Kristen Mastoras, founder and CEO of Ms. Design Berry. Kristen launched her Custom Art Commission's e-commerce business as a side hustle while she was still working full-time. She creates custom artwork for her customers, mainly wedding clients, and her business has seen incredible growth over the course of her journey. Kristen's business has grown into a team of 24 people, now clocking over $2 million in annual sales. So how did Kristen manage to achieve such impressive growth? Well, safe to say that great customer experience and high-quality products certainly played a role, but much of her success can be attributed to a few key e-commerce sales and marketing strategies that you can learn and implement as well. And in this episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast, Kristen is spilling her best-kept secrets. Do you want in on it? I thought so. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic
1: is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts.
0: Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Kristen. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I know that you do some things with people with their Etsy sites and their sales pages and helping them grow and scale their businesses. But why don't you introduce Kristen Mastoras in your own words? Sure. So I am an e-commerce
1: entrepreneur. I have a couple of my own e-commerce businesses, my main one being Miss Design Berry, which is a site that sells custom illustrations, mostly for weddings and other special events. And through the process of building my stores, which have ultimately ended up to be pretty successful, I have now started to help other sellers, Etsy sellers who are looking to transition beyond Etsy and others who are starting to start on Shopify and figure out how to become successful through e-commerce. And that's where I'm at right now.
0: Amazing. So as women, we always shy away from talking about our success, but I'm not going to let you do that. So (laughs) let's hear it. Let's hear about your success. What success have you had with your Etsy shops online?
1: Yeah. So my Etsy shop is the first sort of e-commerce platform I started with. And ultimately, I've sold almost $2 million on there of my own basically artwork and style of artwork. And then I transitioned over to Shopify. And now I sell about 95% of my stuff on Shopify. And I have a really strong team of 24 women who work for me, which is incredible. And so it's been really a dream come true for me.
0: Amazing. It sounds like a dream come true. So how did this become your job title? Tell us about your entrepreneurial journey and what took you to become a multi-million dollar producer of art. Sure. I went
1: to school for visual communications and illustration. And I graduated in 2011 and had gotten a job as an art director in New York City. So I moved to New York, which I had never been to New York other than just a few short day trips. I didn't really know what I was getting into. I'm from the Midwest in Missouri. And I moved here. I had a great job, but I just felt like creatively, it wasn't really everything I wanted. And also New York City is super expensive. So I just started an Etsy shop on the side. And I started doing different design and illustration projects, kind of feeling out what I liked, what sold. And I ended up landing in a space where specifically wedding was what I realized was really going to work. And so I started selling wedding designs through Etsy. And I just slowly, slowly, slowly kept building it as a side hustle. And then in 2014, I hired someone to help me part-time, still working my full-time job. And then about a year later is when I quit my full-time art direction job and started running Miss Designberry full-time.
0: Amazing. So how did you know the time was right to make that transition from side hustle to quitting your full-time job and going all in?
1: Sure. So I had a couple of different metrics I was sort of using as a gauge for when I could find that right jumping off point. One of them was that I had student loans and I wanted to pay my student loans off. So I checked that box I wanted to feel that the salary that I was making at my full-time job was going to be pretty close to being replaced by my business, which obviously at that time I was making that money on the side. So I was able to put money aside, but I wanted to feel like when I left my full-time job that the money I knew I was going to be making from my e-commerce store was going to almost, if not completely cover that same salary. So that was another thing. And then I had to just figure out a couple other logistical things, like how was I going to get healthcare and stuff like that? So it was just really just me figuring out what was going to make, you know, make it feel like I wasn't going to be worried month to- month about if I was going to have money to pay my bills and having a nice little stockpile of money on the side.
0: And so those are the things I really worked towards before I made a leap.: I love it, So you had a nice foundation built before you took the jump, so it wasn't like you were jumping off a cliff completely.: <laughs> No. If you had to pick your absolute favorite thing about running an e-commerce. Shop, what would it be? For me, my favorite thing is getting to pick who I work with and
1: who my clientele are and what I'm selling. Because, like I said, I've had really wonderful jobs in the creative space, but being able to, you know, choose the women who I work with every day and choose the type of clientele I want to attract through the products that I create and just having so much control over. The interactions
0: and relationships that I get to create. That's what I really love about it. So, how do you keep your ideas and your goals fresh? Do you have any magic tricks up your sleeve for staying inspired in your work? I
1: do a lot of inspiration searching. I use Pinterest a lot. I like to find people who are doing things that I find really interesting and cool and follow them and honestly reach out and make relationships with them. Like, even now, You know, I'll find other illustrators who I just think are really doing cool stuff or other e commerce sellers. And I just like to create relationships with those people so that I feel like I'm surrounding myself by other people who are also trying to innovate and do the best they can, you know, making their business always fresh and new. And that really invigorates me and sort of pushes me to do the same thing.
0: I love it. So it was truly an evolution of things, started out as a side hustle. And the next thing you know, you're doing it, you're in here, and now you want to teach other entrepreneurs, how to follow the same successful journey that you've had. Before we get to the tidbits that you have for helping people to achieve that success, I need to know some of the ugly stuff. So why don't you tell me about things that you might have done differently if you could have, or maybe about some missteps that you had along the way?
1: So for me, the biggest thing was I built my business completely on Etsy in the beginning. I started out when Etsy was just becoming really popular. It was great because it allowed me to find my audience and my niche so quickly and test out products. And really quickly, I built a business on Etsy. But then around 2017, I all of a sudden started kind of seeing some cracks in that foundation. And I had my Etsy shop shut down a couple of times for honestly completely absurd and weird reasons. And it made me realize that. I really had to have other avenues that I was able to sell my products, not just Etsy, because having all eggs in that basket was actually quite risky. So that's when I really set out and I committed the next year to moving my sales off of Etsy onto Shopify. So that was a really big one for me. If I was starting a small handmade or any sort of you know creative business now, I would start with not only you know some of the more popular platforms like Etsy, but also put the same amount of work into my own website and my own platform that I had more
0: control over. So you're diversifying your revenue streams. So can you talk a little bit about what happened and why the site was shut down?
1: So there's a part of the Etsy rules, which are if they think your shop is linked to another shop, and then something happens to that shop, they will shut your shop down. And actually, my younger sister has a really successful Etsy shop as well, and she had logged on to her computer when someone else had logged into their Etsy shop on her computer as well. Well, that third person's shop got shut down for I don't know what, not paying their bill or something. So therefore, they shut down my sister's business. And because my sister and I had you know logged in on our computers together and stuff, and you know each used each other's computers, so then they assumed my account was linked to that account. So it was this just like train of like just assuming that all these accounts were connected when in fact they had absolutely nothing to do with each other. So. I ultimately got my shop reinstated, but it took like a week. And, you know, that's a lot of lost revenue and a lot of lost nights of sleep and tears and frustration. And so it was really scary and really hard. And it really kind of put the fire under me to realize I got to do this for real and get my own website up and going and an actual, you know, source of revenue.
0: Absolutely. And it's that kind of less talked about risk that we take as entrepreneurs and online entrepreneurs when we're running our businesses on borrowed land, so to speak. So I know that we'll say the same thing. I mean, I think it was last year around this time of year that Instagram just completely stopped working for a day and people realized, wait a second, I'm running my business on this platform that I have no control over. So I think it's a really great advice to sort of diversify those revenue streams and make sure that at least one of them is on land that you own and control, right? Exactly. Exactly. Let's get into the good stuff. So you've done this successfully. You've had some good times and bad times. What is the advice that you have for listeners who are venturing into the world of e-commerce and an Etsy shop that can set them up for success? The things I wanted
1: to go over were for anyone who is looking to start out on Shopify or their own website, this really applies to any sort of website building platform that's not a marketplace like Etsy. It can be really hard to try and transition from, say, Etsy to having your website because there's certain things when you're selling on a marketplace that are already done for you. It's all templated. Everything looks pretty. They bring the traffic to you. All these different things that when you then try to move... And I mean, I experienced all of this firsthand. So when you then try to move your business to your own website, you don't realize there's these certain sort of pillars of the foundation that you have to build yourself. So I'm doing three tips for optimizing your Shopify or your own website to make it so that customers are actually coming on there and buying things and not just coming on there and then leaving. Because that's what a lot of sellers will find when they first open their own website. And it can be super discouraging. The first thing I want to talk about is creating a sense of social proof and trust with your customers and the people who are browsing your website. This is something that you might take for granted if you're selling on Etsy because Etsy is a big name. It's an established business and marketplace that people inherently trust. And they know that if something goes wrong on Etsy, they have recourse and ways that they can rectify the situation. Whereas if they come onto your website, they don't necessarily know who they're buying from or what sort of the protocol is. So you want to establish social proof and trust. And some of the ways you can do that are reviews are obviously a huge one. That's something that's really important for my business. We put a lot of energy into making sure that we have Reviews from our clients. Similarly, client photos. If you have a product-based business and you have lots of clients, working to get photos from them so that you can share those photos on your website, share photos on your social pages, to just give that additional level of social trust and proof that yes, there are real clients here using my products. And like I said, so that kind of ties into the social media aspect. Having a Instagram page or Facebook page or whatever social media you kind of decide to put your effort into and making sure that you're posting regularly. It doesn't have to be every day, but just showing up there to establish that credibility and trust with your customers. And then the last thing is an about page. A lot of people will overlook the about page or think that it's something that's not as important or sort of a comes later down the line in sense of priorities, but the about page is really important when you are trying to establish your own website so that people can go on there and see a photo of you, see who you are, see that you are a real person who's running your business and is there and present. And so those are the ways that I think are the most successful ways to establish that trust and proof for your website.
0: Amazing. So I remember learning not too long ago that one of the most commonly hit pages on any website right across the board is the about page. So I think that's worth like digging in a little bit deeper too, because chances are, if you're selling online, if you have an e-commerce site, chances are people are going to click over and see what you're all about, or at least try to find what you're all about if you haven't put it there. So what tips or advice do you have for listeners about optimizing their about page and making it compelling enough or optimizing it in such a way that is going to draw them closer to you and make them more likely to complete that purchase?
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it is. It's you want to draw them in and they, you want to make a connection with them. So you shouldn't shy away from sharing personal things about yourself and your business story. And it should have a conversational tone. I think some people look at the About pages, it needs to be this shiny, perfect story of like this business that makes it seem like it's this perfect you know, person who has this company. And really what it needs to be is an honest story about who you are and why you started that business and why you sell those products and why you care and why, why you want to serve customers and things that will connect the customer to you and make them feel like they understand you and they can relate to you is really what's going to be the most efficient way to get people to feel trustworthy and like they know who they're buying from.
0: Absolutely. Any tips for how to stand out in that kind of noisy about me? This is my entrepreneurship journey story pages. Yeah. I mean, I think,
1: you know, share things that are unexpected and unique and share things about, you know, maybe share something that was a misstep in your business along the way or something that you know, makes you totally unique in your business or just things that people are going to remember. Everyone can you know, say where are they from and how long they've run the business, but maybe they don't know why you got into this business in the first place or the huge life-changing mistake that you made that made you ultimately come down this path or whatever it is that
0: it's going to stick in people's minds. I love it. So create that sense of social proof, solid piece of advice. What's your next tip?
1: So my next tip is finding ways to directly be able to communicate with the people who are coming and browsing, ultimately hoping that those people are going to become customers. So how can you directly communicate with them? And I have a couple ways that I go about this and that I sort of think are some of the better ways to do it. Number one, I know everyone's talking about email lists. And it's true. Email lists are really, really important. On Shopify and for my businesses, we do pop-up little opt-ins on our website. So when someone comes to our site, we have some sort of a lead. For us, usually we do a discount that we are able to get their email. Because once we have their email, that is such an important thing for us to be able to then start communicating directly to them in their inbox. So email pop-up is one. Something that was a big game changer for us was using live chat on our website. It was not something I'd ever really even considered to be relevant to my customers or how my business was run. But when I ultimately decided to move my business off of Etsy, one of the things I really realized that customers loved on Etsy was they could you know, send us a message and usually we would respond right away. There was a built-in messaging system on Etsy. And I ended up working with a business consultant for about 18 months during that transition time. And one of the things that he really pushed me to look into was live chat. So we did. And it's really incredible because the customers who we communicate with on live chat, on average, spend 40% more with us and come back more often. And it's really changed sort of the way we think about how we talk to our customers and how we interact with them. And so live chat has been a huge game changer for us. And then some of the other ways that are becoming more popular now are text messaging and SMS messaging. And then also browser notifications. So there's all different kinds of apps you can use on Shopify to get people to opt into your browser notifications, push notifications, or you know also get their phone number to send them text and SMS messages. So all of those ways are just ways that you're going to be able to directly communicate with your customers. And that direct communication is how you're going to ultimately be able to increase your conversion rates and get people to remember you and see you consistently showing up in those different places. And that's what's ultimately going to lead to that customer loyalty and sales.
0: So do you have like a dedicated person who's, I want to say manning the live chat, but that sounds sexist. So who's personing <laughs> the live chat?
1: It's been kind of a work in progress for us. When I very first started the live chat, it was just me doing it. And then slowly through time, we have added on a team. We have a couple women who are our sales team and they're like sort of, they do dual service. They do all of our customer service But they also sort of man the live chat and we have it covered almost 24 hours a day just because the way that my team works, we're all remote and we allow for like a totally flexible work schedule. So some women work late at night, some work during the morning and midday. So we have a couple different sales members who are on the live chat. And then it's great though, too, because you can set it so that if for some reason someone's not available... We have automatic messages that pop up if someone does start a live chat and it actually asks them like, hey, if you can let us know what your email address is, we will follow up with you as soon as possible. So just another way to sort of make sure you're trying to capture that way to communicate with them, which is usually an email address.
0: Okay, listen, I get it. Deep down, you know you deserve more, but you don't quite know how to get there. You see a lot of programs and e courses that could be of benefit to you, but you don't know which one will take you to where you want to be. It might be a mix of a few of them, you think, but we both know that can cost a pretty penny. Well, Workshop Warrior, all of this ends now. My friends at The Bundle Co have put together a magical bundle of business related e courses and membership programs covering every business related topic you you can imagine at an unbelievable price so that you can improve your business life and finances in every way without having to remortgage your house inside the bundle, you'll find over 70 courses and programs from amazing instructors from all over the world who will be teaching you everything you need to skyrocket your success. Course topics range from business financing to marketing, social media, photography, copywriting, scaling, mindset, content creation, productivity hacks, and so much more. Oh, and by the way, my signature beginner photography course, it's in there too. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can get all of this for just $100. That's right, just $100. That's a 99% savings. Insane, right? But you've got to act fast. The bundle is only available starting June 1st for just 10 days. To get your business bundle for just $100, head to kellylawson.ca slash That That's kellylawson.ca slash bundle, and I'll see you on the inside. There's probably a lot of listeners that aren't that far along yet and they don't necessarily have a team of people that could look after a live chat pop-up or app, for example. So what recommendations would you have for smaller businesses that might only be a one or two or three person operation at most for looking after things like Live communication with customers?
1: There's honestly a couple of different ways you can do it. You could set up a designated sort of hours where, you know, maybe it's you only do three days a week, but three days a week from noon to 4 p.m., you have live chat available. So maybe you let your customers know that on your site, in your announcement bar, or send an email communication or on social channels to let them know hey, if you have questions or, you know, want to go through something with me, here's my sort of office hours that are, you know, your live chat hours. And then the other one is, you know, you can have it on all the time. And like I said, all of these different live chat, you know, apps and programs allow for really great triggers, they call them, which is like, you know, someone comes on the site and they've been on the site for a certain amount of time, then this automatic message pops up, or maybe they're on a certain page, and then an automatic message pops up. And you can really tailor those automatic messages to speak directly to them. And if, you know, if they see that message, and they're intrigued, and they do want to chat, and someone's not available then you can just send them an automatic message, then either sending them to a page where they can fill out information or provide an email address that they can message or ask them for their email address so that you're making sure that you're kind of capturing as many of those interested live chat leads as possible.
0: Absolutely. And do you have some go-to apps that you use for doing this? Yeah, so we use Zendesk, which we really have
1: had great customer service. And it's works really well. Shopify integrates
0: very easily. So that's who we use. Perfect. And we'll make sure that we link anything that you suggest in the show notes as well so that people can find that easily. Okay. So find ways to directly communicate with your customers. Sounds brilliant. And if you're getting a 40% increase in sales by doing that, it also sounds like a really smart investment because you're getting that return. Okay. What's your third tip? Okay.
1: So my third tip is When you are striking it out on your own and you are launching your own website, whether it's a new business or a business you already have, but you're sort of creating this new area for it to live in, it's super, super important that you have a really strong brand presence. And that's, yes, visually a brand, but your brand is really something that's going to permeate all areas of your website. It's in the tone of your copy. It's in the way that you communicate with your clients. It's in the types of imagery that you use. And so that's something I really work a lot with my clients on is like that's kind of the first big thing because I know a lot of people are super focused on when they start their own website. It's all about traffic. How do I get traffic? How do I bring people in? Because, you know, when you're coming from Etsy, where the traffic's kind of built in to your own shop and you really have to generate your own traffic, that's something that everyone thinks should be their first focus. But it really shouldn't because you need to make sure that your website is as strong and optimized as possible before you start spending money on traffic because that money will be wasted if they come to a site that isn't you know, optimized and not the perfect platform for them to come and experience what you're selling. So brand presence is what I really try and drive home. So that's, yes, the visual aspect, having a color palette, having a typographic feel and look and different fonts that you use consistently. They could mean a logo. It doesn't have to mean a logo like i mentioned the copy you know how you're speaking the tone that you use and what's really important is when you have these elements of your brand you have to use them consistently across all platforms so if you have an etsy shop and a shopify shop and an instagram page a customer needs to feel the same thing when they go to any of those platforms and anywhere that they interact with you they need to have brand consistency which can be hard so that's why it's really important to develop things like i said like that color palette where you're going to use those same colors no matter where someone's interacting with you. And, you know, the same type of tone in your copy. Everything should be the same wherever you're applying it.
0: Right. Because you want it to be recognizable. There shouldn't be any shock when someone goes from one platform to the next that maybe they think they have the wrong person or something like that.
1: Right. And also just having inconsistent branding, it kind of starts negating that social trust that we developed in step one. Because it makes people feel like this is not totally together or... I felt this way on the Instagram, and now I'm getting this different vibe on their website. So it's just super important for people to have a consistent front when it comes to your brand and how you are representing your business.
0: Absolutely. I remember learning too that by the way your website is designed, it can also either enhance or diminish that experience as well. Can you talk a little bit about website design and how you can enhance the user's experience? It's funny because I'm actually about to launch my first e-commerce course.
1: And it's all about creating a Shopify store that has a strong brand like we just talked about. So I've been doing a lot of research and I've been reading a lot about sort of the effects of color and design on websites. And it's actually stunning. Like One of the things that really sticks out to me was when someone lands on your website, you have 0.5 seconds to make their decision of whether they're gonna stay on your website or leave. So that's one twentieth of a second. That's how much time you have to, you know, influence someone to whether stay on your website or leave your website. And that decision they're making, 80% of that is based on design. So it just kind of helps illustrate how important the visual design is of a website because the biggest turning point for anyone who has a website is are people clicking and leaving or are they clicking and staying you know, because the longer they stay, the more pages they go to, the better your conversion is, and the more sales you're going to have. So they're basing so much of that first split second judgment and decision on the design of your website. And that is why it's so important that when someone lands on your website, the branding is consistent with what your business is and and what sort of you're selling and what someone who would want to buy what you're selling is going to want to feel when they land on that website. Absolutely.
0: And you mentioned colors. What did you learn about colors or color palettes with websites? There's a lot of research out there about color and color impacts us in such a deep, energetic
1: way. And also, you know, that design-based judgment decision that people make, most of that is based alone solely on color, the colors that they see when they land on a site. And different colors have different, you know, associated feelings and vibes with them. And there's a lot of research that you should absolutely do if you're looking to sort of change up the branding or create new branding. Because, I mean, I'm sure... Lots of people have heard these things, but you know, certain restaurants use certain colors or certain stores or products use colors to influence the way that a person feels and reacts to their business and their product.
0: I remember looking at different colors and the emotions that they evoke. And there's lots of resources on the internet, so you can Google it really quickly. But I think I learned that blue indicates like sterile and clean. And I think orange was like for food services and red was for safety. There was all kinds of things that you could dig into if you wanted to around colors. That's really interesting. So what about the overall design though? So if you really want to like take advantage of that 20% of a second to catch someone, what are your kind of top tips for keeping people engaged in your website? It's really important to keep it simple and very clear. The biggest mistake
1: I see with people who have started their own websites is they have just too much going on in one place. You know, I'll see someone's homepage and their top navigation has 15 different navigation links or they have 20 different types of imagery on one page or there's a slider and like every image is just like this explosion of like too much text and too much stuff going on. So always, always, always like simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. And simplicity doesn't have to mean boring or not interesting. It just means paring it down to the absolute most essential things, the most essential copy, the most essential words, the most essential image the most essential colors. And so it's really learning how you can zone in on what those you know, absolute core pieces of your product are that you want people to see when they're landing on your website. And then how do you take those just essential pieces and make something that's you know, visually beautiful, but also easy to read, easy to scan, easy to understand what the business is and what product or service they're selling in that 20th of a second.
0: Exactly. And then making it really clear what you want your viewer to do once they're there, right? So having that one clear call to action and not a whole bunch of stuff going on.
1: Right. Because if you have a shop now button, but then a hero image that directs you somewhere else, and then you have a pop up that directs somewhere else, it's unclear where to go. And one of the biggest barriers to purchase for e commerce is people feeling overwhelmed by options or inability to understand something. So You just want to make
0: everything as clear as possible that setting out that path
1: for your customer.
0: Absolutely. Okay, now I have to ask you, let's say we have the most beautifully designed website. We've put so much thought into every single page, but it's kind of worthless if we can't get people to go to it. So I'm wondering what your tips are for actually driving that traffic to your site to make the sales. Absolutely. I have... Kind of
1: develop my own collection of different strategies and processes over the years. What I find to be one of the most underused and easy to use platforms is Pinterest, especially for people who are looking to invest any amount of money in paid advertising. I'm saying it could be $5 a day, it doesn't really matter. But Pinterest is a platform that can be incredibly powerful for e commerce sellers, especially for people who are selling handmade products even digital products. It's really just a visual search engine. And for me, it's part of the reason why I've been able to grow my business so much is because we have really harnessed the power of Pinterest and we've done a lot of promoted ads and it's really just allowed us to continue to grow.
0: Amazing. I actually also have a lot of success with Pinterest. And it's funny because until about a year ago, I just thought it was a place for recipes and pretty pictures and I actually didn't use it at all. And a girlfriend told me, she said, your content is really geared well for Pinterest. Why aren't you using it? And she really wanted me to know so much about how effective Pinterest was that she took my account and did the things to it. And suddenly I'm getting thousands of website referrals from Pinterest. So can you talk just really briefly about the types of content that you put on Pinterest that are effective for your web traffic?
1: So honestly, for us, So we started out before we started doing paid
0: ads. We started
1: out with just content related to the people who are, you know, going to be our potential clients. And for me, I have a wedding business. So all different kinds of boards around wedding, pre-wedding events. And we have a really unique kind of quirky product for people who are looking for something really different. So we really focused on trying to target those people with different interesting themes of weddings and mood boards, you know, things that someone who would be interested in the product we offer, which is a really fun, unique illustration, would be interested in for other aspects of their wedding. Cause that's kind of how you draw people into your, you know, they see a pin that you pin from something else and all of a sudden now they're following you. So that was sort of our strategy before we started promoting through Pinterest. And then when we started promoting through Pinterest, we really just do product based pins and we really just promote our top products, you know, our best sellers and. One of the things with Pinterest and really any ads that you're creating, you just always have to be testing. Testing, testing, testing different visual images, testing different copy, testing different audiences and how you're reaching them. And so that's just kind of the name of the game. And that's one of the biggest things that I spend my time doing now is just trying out and testing different ways. How can we reach different customers or reach
0: our customers differently? So that's sort of how Pinterest has evolved for us. Absolutely. And are there any sort of takeaways for what types of Content via your A B testing is most effective? What types of ads are most effective on Pinterest?
1: Yeah. So, one of the most interesting things, so we also run Instagram and Facebook ads. And, you know, at first I thought, oh, like what's successful on Pinterest is going to work great on Instagram and vice versa. And it's actually just not the case. And through all the research I've done and reading, I've learned, for us at least, images on Pinterest, we do not do images that focus on a person or show faces. Sometimes it may be hands or something, but that's because the people who use Pinterest and the people who are likely to find you through Pinterest, a lot of times they're real DIYers, like you said, moms, recipes, all kinds of stuff like that. And they want to envision themselves in the pin and what the pin is. They want to be able to see themselves doing that thing. So seeing another face sort of is a deterrent versus on Instagram where what does the best is sort of that natural content that looks like it's from someone's feed that they just posted, you know, a picture of themselves, a selfie of themselves with some product or something. So kind of two different strategies in terms of the visual content for us, which I find really interesting.
0: This topic right here deserves a whole other podcast because it really is fascinating. And I am with you. I think that Pinterest is probably the most underestimated social platform on planet Earth right now. People on that platform take action. I feel like on the Instagram side of things, you have to put so much work into it and so much time building the relationship and so much time working for your followers and using hashtags and figuring out all of the things. Meanwhile, over on Pinterest, you don't have to do any of that. (laughs) And people are taking action on your posts. And for us, we've also realized it's a much less expensive, like our cost per click on Pinterest
1: is so much lower than Instagram, Facebook, Google ads, you know, any other of the things we've done. So that's another reason for us why it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So people listening do not underestimate the power of Pinterest like I did up until about a year ago. Okay, amazing. So I'm wondering if you have one sort of final tactical piece of advice for listeners, like what can they do when they're finished listening to this podcast, if they're thinking, okay, I need to like get my online shop in order. What's one thing that they can go away from this and do to get closer to having a successful multi-million dollar e-commerce shop like you do?
1: One of the things that's hardest to do and a lot of times people don't want to do it is to reach out and ask for feedback. And you need to find people, mentors, other people in your network, people that you've just seen and you respect what they do or how they have their shop or how their shop looks. And you just need to reach out to them And introduce yourself, or maybe you already know them and say, Hey, like, I'm really trying to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward in terms of my shop. Like, is there any feedback? Ask people to come to your shop and go through it as if they were a customer. One of the things that's hardest for me is a lot of times when I'm thinking about changes or my website, it's I have to remember that like I know all the things and I know about my products and how everything works, but someone who's coming to my site doesn't. And so you just need to have those like fresh pair of eyes and ears. Readers, you know, everyone just needs to have people come to their site to go through it and, you know, follow the customer flow of coming on to wanting to purchase a product so that they can work out those kinks that they themselves, you know, as the
0: owner of the business, you don't see them because you just aren't thinking that way. Absolutely. And you're in it all day, every day. So you already know your way around your own website and then you have no idea on the other end what's happening. So, and people aren't always all that forthcoming, right? So sometimes you need to actually just get out of your comfort zone and ask for it because sometimes people will just click away and all you see is bounces off of your website and you don't know why. I think that's the best advice. I hope that everybody listened to that if you didn't go back and re-listen to it because that is a seriously solid piece of advice. Kristen, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your super busy schedule to share this expertise with our listeners. How can they get in touch with you?
1: Miss Design Berry is my business that I've talked about throughout this podcast. And you can find us at MissDesignBerry.com and follow us on Instagram at MissDesignBerry. And then my personal coaching, the course that I just mentioned, I'm going to be launching. That's all at KristenMastoris.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at KristenMastoris.com and send me an email, send me a message on my website. I will
0: respond. I love it. Amazing. Right in the trenches. Proper entrepreneur. I'm going to make sure that we link all of those things in the show notes as well so that people can find you easily. And you mentioned that you had a cheat sheet to sort of summarize everything that we just talked about. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes, it's a cheat sheet. It's going to go over the three steps for optimizing your website and kind of talk about all the different breakdowns that I went through for each of those steps so that you can have something
0: that you can refer back to. Perfect. Kristen, thank you again so much. While there is no denying the importance of your website design and consistent, thoughtful branding in growing your e-commerce business, Kristen makes it pretty clear that one e-commerce platform should never be your only source of revenue, and that as an entrepreneur, you should always be seeking feedback, learning, and changing right along with your customer. I hope you found this episode valuable no matter what industry you're in, because I gotta say, Everything that Kristen had to say rings true for any business. And if you're willing to do the work, well, you'll be turning that business of yours into a seven-figure empire in no time as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast. I am so grateful for you, and I look forward to hanging out in your earbuds again next week. Bye for now.